Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Little Egypt Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Hefferman. Thank you, boys, for the standing ovation. And with me today is sports writers Bucky Dent and Les Winkler. Listen so, to him, standing ovation. Yeah, I know, I know. Do you deny you gave me? It's going to his head now. Do you deny you gave me a standing ovation? Only from the seated position. <laughs> well, we're I deny. Start, I deny your denial. Videoing, we're going to start videoing this. For yeah, there we go. Visual evidence. Let me uh, start. <laughs> well, we start this week. Uh, everything's kind of in sync now. Everything's going. Uh, football games playing next week. Um, prep and SIU uh, women's soccer has started. At SIU golf has started around uh, around the region. Prep football uh, will start next Friday. Um, Carbondale and Murphy playing first week. Who else? Uh, who else should we watch uh, to see who's who's going to win that first week? Okay. Well, we've got some. You know, besides besides the obvious big game over at Murphy, you're talking. Uh, one, one intriguing game to me is AJ at West Frankfurt. AJ lost every starter off last year's team. It has so much tradition that you can't automatically say this is going to be a rebuilding year. But you lost every starter, so there has to be some sort of slippage, I would guess. And you're facing a team with probably the best returning quarterback in the area, in Connor Eaton. You know, so you've got that game. You get a big game in the Black Diamond to start the year there with Cesar Valier at Fairfield. Cesar Valier has co-coaches, which I'm trying to research. Then the last time the IHSA had a co-coaching system in place in football with John Shadowins and Mike Rude, and they're getting tested right off the bat. Fairfield has been unbeaten the last couple years, as I recall, in the Black Diamond. So. Those are just two of, of several very interesting games in the first week of the season. Uh, there's and Carterville, Carterville, Benton, Carter, and and Carterville and Ducoin are both uh, interesting situations to me. Uh, Carterville changing coaches for the first time in 18 years, and uh, uh, Derek Beard uh, taking over Ducoin as only the fourth coach that Ducoin's had since 1968, I believe. That's correct. So, but And both of them were athletic directors, and both of them were longtime members of the coaching staff. So it's going to be interesting to see the transition in both of those ponds. I and think. Beard was, well, has been on the staff under uh, A.J. Uh, Hill over there before he uh, got the job in May, so it wasn't as huge a transition for him as it was for Brett Dow at Carterville. Brett had actually taken four years off from coaching football to be the full-time athletic director, of course, most people know him as the very successful softball coach. I believe won a state championship at Carterville during his reign there. But Brett was an assistant under Dennis Trust for 13 years, so it's not like he's exactly ignorant of football itself. Well, he was also on the state championship team with uh, Kerry Martin, I believe. He was a defensive back on that team. So that's uh, that's always going to – and he's coached for a long time, and uh, Carterville's been good for a long time. Um Hopefully the weather holds out, and then uh, our football preview issue will be in Friday's paper, too, correct? Next, next Friday. Next Friday. August 30th. And Come and get it. Read all about it. Read all about it. I, I think, I believe the SIU preview is running in Wednesday's paper or Thursday's. I think Wednesday it's Wednesday's. So I'd better figure that out, huh, <laughs> yeah. before, uh, before we get to next Tuesday. Uh, but the Saluki's playing the, the Red Hawks of SEMO down there, SEMO. Um, you know, they, I don't think they've ever sold out Hawk Stadium, but but this is probably a pretty good opportunity for them. You know, Thursday night, um, they're 17th in the country. Uh, they won't. They were not picked to win the OVC, but they'll be picked to challenge there, and they obviously weren't picked to win it last year. 
and uh, made the playoffs. Um, they have their starting quarterback back. They have the, a linebacker that was the Buck Buchanan Award winner. Um, so Saluki's uh, will have an uphill battle Thursday night, but I'm excited to see them with the new coaching staff, what the defense looks like you know, especially. It, it, it never seems like even when SEMO, even when SEMO was, was down and SIU was pretty good, it, it just seemed like that was always a battle. It was always a struggle to beat. And I mean, you know, there, there's some games that may have ended up uh, with the score kind of lopsided. I remember the game at Bush Stadium. It ended up being kind of a lopsided score. But for three quarters or three and a half quarters, it was a very competitive game. And, uh, you know, SIU's got uh, more to lose on this one than, than the Red Hawks do. Uh, if, if the Salukis can start off on the right foot and get a win, boy, it would just be a huge step. But it, there's not going to be anything easy about it. That is a game, you know. That's kind of like the Cardinals and the Cubs. I mean, that one team will be up seven nothing in the fourth inning, and the other team always seems to come back. and And that's how the Red Red Hawks and the Salukis have always been. And it's been a big barometer game. You know, it's it's never the opener, but it's usually the second or third game of the year. And whoever wins usually has a pretty good season, and the other team usually goes the other way. Um, so it's it's big in that regard too. And from your perspective, we were talking around the desk yesterday, and uh, you saw the announcement of the of the new starting quarterback, and you were pretty surprised by that. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I, I I thought Stone uh, was was pretty good, but I, I did not think he was ahead of Correa and uh, Nick Baker. I thought Nick Baker would be the starting quarterback, but you know, I'm obviously I'm not uh, I'm not at every practice or every film session, and and. Nick has called him the most consistent. Um, I, I would agree with that. Uh, I would think Nick would be a pretty close second, but I, th- I just think Nick is more innovative that I've seen. I think he's more accurate as far as he throws the ball where only his guy can get it. But I'm curious to see uh, why how Stone does. But w- if you guys were, were Nick Hill, would you have even revealed the starting quarterback before you play SEMO? Why don't you put one and one A? I, there's, I mean, there's really no film on anybody anybody. So I don't think in in this situation I don't you know like if two guys were coming back they each played a half a year and had radically different approaches one guy was a run first you know okay just look at last year's situation if you had Straub and DeSomer obviously game planning for the two would be radically different but you know unless there's somebody's got practice of film I really don't see where it hurts anything to to make that announcement. <laughs> <clears throat> unless unless uh, you somehow have someone filming the practices at SEMO, I don't see how they're going to know the tendencies of whoever Nick were to pick to, to start the opening game. It probably will be a bit of a, a, a fly-off-the-seat-of-your-pants process for SEMO, and in that regard, that may give SIU an advantage because you can script an offense, obviously, based around what your quarterback can do, and it may take SEMO a quarter, a half, whatever, to try to get any sort of handle on what he what they're trying to do, and it may allow you to get a touchdown or two that could make the difference in a game. So I don't know honestly that it makes a difference in that case. You know, as Les was saying, if you had two guys they had film on, it might have been more to their advantage to wait until what what time is the game starting next Thursday? Uh, Six thirty. Okay, it may have been to your advantage to wait till say six thirty one. <laughs> and, and and to Nick's defense, I mean, he said that I want to pick somebody. I want the team to know, you know, so they can move forward. And you know, you can get kind of in sync with the first guy. I I can I can see that. I can see the benefits of that as well. When you got a week and a half 
to prepare for them. Even if you were playing Thursday or Friday, uh, Samford is playing Youngstown State uh, Saturday in uh, in the FCS kickoff. It's actually the second FCS game of the year because Colgate's playing at 11 a.m. But nonetheless, it's it's the first first game for those two teams, and Sanford is still not named a starting quarterback, and that's. That's a little. That's always a little intriguing to me when they when they don't they don't want to tell you or maybe they don't even know. Maybe they have two guys that are that close that, yeah, that are battling to the end. Some coaches just like that little gamesmanship too. So whatever. I, I you know I don't really think there's any point in that this year with with the situation at SIU with both whoever they pick being a new guy. So yeah, all three of them be, have never started for SIU. Um, Stone uh, went nine and one as a starter for Asa Junior College uh, in New York State. Uh, he was the Offensive Player of the Year in that conference uh, through 23 touchdowns, nine interceptions in 10 games. Uh, but he has been pretty accurate in camp. Um, they have, I believe, they don't necessarily have an established big play receiver, maybe outside of Jaquan Burton, but they have some some candidates, and I think they have a strong running game that I think they should run the ball you know, 30, 40 times if they can. Uh, to try to take some pressure off that new quarterback. And, and the, the defense. Yes. That and the, the defense, I agree. More possession time, less chances for the opponent to make big plays against you. And that was the one thing that, looking back on last year, the defense was on the field a little bit too much. Well, you know, and that used to be that used to be kind of a barometer of how the game went is, is time of possession. That means absolutely nothing anymore. Right. Unless you are trying to protect a defense that struggles. And I, I think I think that will be a key this year for the for the Saluki offense to hold on to the the football for extended periods of time to give the defense a, a rest and you know don't don't expose don't expose them now and I expect the defense to be much better after I mean they got so many people back that played a lot last year obviously just just those repetitions and that year of experience is going to make a difference. But at this point, given the fact that they gave up 50 points five times last year, I don't think that you can just say, well, we've got experienced defense and it's going to be a strength. Well, and the SIU's other football team is also trying to improve its possession time. Uh, the first Saluki women's soccer team uh, drew over 2,100 people in their home exhibition opener. Um, it was it was a beautiful night for for soccer, and it was it's a beautiful facility. They finished the scoreboard out there. Um, it's a video board out there too. But the the vantage points are something I didn't expect. I just I forgot how big a soccer field is because I haven't been on one in about ten years um, to cover a soccer match because we haven't had that at SIU since I've had uh, this beat. But uh, it, it is fun to watch, and and they'll. Uh, They've got a challenging schedule, but a ch- uh, also a schedule that they can, I think, to get some wins, and they should win on Friday night when they play uh, Division Two Illinois Springfield. Well, it'd be the best thing that that I would hope for for the soccer team is that it is so well accepted that uh, SIU is going to be scouring uh, high school football fields for extra sets of portable bleachers so they can uh, have uh, create seating for everybody that wants to watch the women's team play. Um, it's to me, to me this 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 is really exciting. It's been a long time since any new team is. Uh, has uh, appeared on the scene at SIU, and to see the uh, to, to see the enthusiasm for the uh, for the exhibition game, I, I think it's I think it speaks volumes that the area is hungry for soccer, that the uh, the market is ripe for uh, for another team. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing the first game. That's a very big step. We were talking about that yesterday in here. Todd and I were about drawing over 2,000 for for basically an exhibition game. That indicates to me there's definitely a lot of interest out there. 
and the product does appear to be something people are interested in watching. It's just a matter now of going out and building on that in the field of some good efforts, whether you win games or not. Obviously, you want to win. You just don't want to go out there and get boat raced right off the bat and and maybe and maybe give people an excuse not to show up. So, yeah, and they and it's what I noticed about the crowd is that you know a lot of the a lot of the Saluki teams came to support them, which was nice. But most of the crowd was was an older generation or a really young generation. A lot of kids, a lot of high school kids. Um, I saw a couple coaches, um, soccer coaches there. Um, they were wearing the scars, which I think are, are a nice nice addition to the wardrobe. Um, and it's just it just seems like it's a, it's I knew it'd be good as far as soccer I think will be popular here with female athletes because SIU is a high academic school and that's that's really important to, to female athletes and it's a great league to play in um, and they have a great recruiting base and now St Louis is adding an MLS team in uh, three years so it's only going to grow I think uh, in this region and St Louis has a great soccer history I was reading about today. No, it's it's the the metro area has been a, a soccer hotbed. Uh, St. Louis, uh, St. Louis University. Although I mean, all kind of up the Mississippi, Quincy, all the way up to Quincy is has always been kind of a, a, a soccer hotbed. So uh, yeah, the, you know the the interest is here. I was going to make a point about the attendance could really go up to when students get here, but students at SIU attending athletic events has been has been kind of fickle for the for the last decade. I'm sure it'll add a a, a few per each game, but. Uh, I'll, I'll just reserve any judgment on that until we see. Yeah, I mean, they, he knows, and even the coach said, you know, I know we're not going to, we may not draw, you know, 2,000 every game. But, I mean, think about this. The average for all the Valley schools last year was less than 400. I mean, SIU's going to beat that, aren't they? They're going to double that. I mean, even I mean, even if you don't draw 2,000 every game, if you draw half of 2,000, you're still drawing 1,000. If you draw 500, you're going to lead. Right. The, you're going to be one of the best in the country. Women's yeah. basketball routinely like 500, maybe average. I mean, they'll, yeah. They'll, yeah. They'll, they'll have a few big games and a few others, but, you know, 500. Um, volleyball, at times when the team is pretty good, can pack Davies, but, I mean, that's not a – that's not a huge crowd, so yeah. If you if you're starting out at a at a thousand, that's that's a pretty good place to start. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of the of the MLS team in St. Louis, I understand it's the first majority female ownership group in that league, which is another historical aspect. I saw where they're not going to start till 2022, which I assume is going to give them time to find some land or build a soccer specific facility rather than playing. In either the dome, which really would be too big, in terms of uh, fan interest, I don't think you would draw. I don't think you can count on drawing sixty thousand to every game. I don't know that they could play in Fenton down near the river that got flooded a few years ago, and I'm pretty sure the Cardinals not, would not be real keen on anyone using Bush for <laughs> soccer. So, no, well, you know, and the, and no, they're going to build another facility on the west side of town, I believe, and it's going to be <clears> privately <throat> funded because the city balked at it. A couple right. of years ago, but the people that are owning this team are the family behind uh, Enterprise, Enterprise Rent a Car, the Enterprise Center used to be the Scott Trade Center. That family the is, Center, is basically bought. Is basically <laughs> bought. Wasn't it the Savas Center? Yeah, Savas Keel Center. Uh, then you know, people don't understand. A lot of people don't understand that you know the the importance of fitting fitting a team to a venue. Uh, in an earlier meeting today, we were talking about the, the soccer team and you know, you know, playing at the football stadium. Well, it's a nice facility, but if you put a thousand people 
you put a thousand people in, in Saluki Stadium and it looks empty. I mean, it's empty. It is empty. But that venue out there, you create atmosphere by having people right up on the field mm-hmm. and a thousand people. It feels bigger than it is, and I, you know, I think I think it's very appropriate. If they get to the point where they have to move the football stadium, awesome. I, I thought, you know, and I agree with you, but I always thought they could play one game, one game a year at the football stadium, and and the volleyball team would play, you know, one match or two matches at the at the uh, the Banterra Center. I almost said the SIU Arena. <laughs> yeah, and they're actually playing two tournaments at the uh, Banterra Center because the video is better. But but I agree. Like talk about. The crowd at Davies Gym compared to the one at Banterra Center. You can't yeah. compare the two environments. No, it just it just it just creates an atmosphere that doesn't exist in a in a, a cavernous, empty empty place like uh, the Banterra Center. I got problems with saying that too. It's, it's going to take a while. I've been I've been calling it the arena since nineteen sixty something or another. So I noticed we'll the signage the... is up now for Banterra Center. I noticed the signage is up on the on the marquee out on fifty one for. Since we're talking about that, so we can use the arena in the lowercase uh, when go. we're referring yeah. to that uh, that place now. But common uh, noun. Uh, and then we'll uh, we'll move to golf uh, real quickly. Um, a Benton freshman, uh, Cy Norman, shot a 62 uh, in yes. a round of golf. The first opening week. Yes, yeah, so 62 in Anna Jonesboro's tournament on Saturday. And contrary to what I had thought, it was actually his second competitive round of golf on the high school level. His first was Thursday. That was an 81. But this kid is, uh, I wrote a column on him last year suggesting this could be the next great thing in high school golf. I know his dad is the coach at Benton, Reggie Norman. I know his dad has been eagerly awaiting the chance to show him off on the varsity level. Benton's had good golf teams in recent years. I imagine Sly takes it up to another level. And if you're shooting a seven under par twenty eight on a on the front nine like he did Saturday, then that only screams volumes as to what you might be able to do a few years down the road as you add strength physically and you start hitting the ball longer. Obviously, he's got a pretty decent touch around the greens. If you're shooting a twenty eight on a front nine, I mean, you really would have to like this kid's future a lot. There's no other way to say it. It doesn't take me near that long to get to twenty nine. <laughs> well we would we wish Cy and and, and uh his family and Benton uh, a good season and a good season to all the other uh, athletes getting started this this month um we're excited for football next week but uh uh enjoy the outdoors and uh to subscribe to the southern illinoisan go to the southern.com or call 618 529 5454 thanks for joining us